This episode of Moon Tower Business is brought to you by your local State Farm agent, Alejandra de la Torre. Alejandra's team has amazing customer service, knowledgeable staff, and super competitive pricing. They also have a very convenient location in Round Rock, located at 2200 North A.W. Grimes Boulevard, Suite 500. Alejandra's team is bilingual, and they have over 52 years of combined experience in the insurance industry. Alejandra's team is very friendly and helpful, and they always go the extra mile. They even have after-hours emergency availability. So please call Alejandra's State Farm team for all of your insurance needs, whether it's auto, home, life, or business. Their telephone number is 512-244-3311, or you can see their website at www.alexdelatorre.net. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Moon Tower Business Podcast. This is your host, Joseph O'Bell, and today I'm speaking to Tyler Norwood, who is the co-founder of Pine House Pizza here in Austin. Tyler, how are you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having us, Josh. Yes, sir. Th- thanks for being on the program. Um, you know, I, I want to kind of get into the weeds on, on what uh, Pine House Pizza is doing and, and the different kind of offerings you have, the different locations you have. But before we kick off, uh, maybe you can just kind of introduce yourself and talk a little bit about your background and stuff you were involved in uh, before Pine House. Sure. Um, so again, my name is Tyler Norwood. I'm one of the co-founders of Pine House Pizza. There are six of us, um, which is a big group, um, but big group of, of friends. Um, we've had a great time working on Pine House. Um, before we started Pine House originally, I was an engineer by trade. Um, came to University of Texas to go to business school in 2001, 2002. Met one of my business partners there um, named Ned in business school. And when we were done with grad school, he and I were both working um, in the tech industry. He was working at Dell. I was working at Qualcomm out in San Diego. I was there maybe a year and I woke up on a Sunday morning and said, I, you know, I can't go into the office anymore and sit in a, a cubicle and pretend like I'm working for eight hours when I have one hour of work to do. So I, I quit my job, you know, I gave him two weeks notice. I wanted to move back to Austin. I called Ned and finally, you know, oddly enough, I said, Ned, I really don't care what we do. I want to do something on, on our own. That's our business. Even if we start a sandwich shop or do something and I moved back and he and I started exploring, you know, we thought about starting a software company or doing something in the tech space. And we ended up oddly enough being uh, Jimmy John's franchisees. So we did end up uh, running a sandwich shop and he and I did that for eight years. Um, learned a lot from Jimmy John's. We had six units um, here in the Austin area by the time we were done. And maybe in 2000, 10 or so, um, one of our friends um, named Ryan, who's one of our business partners now, reached out to us and said, hey, I know you guys are thinking about starting your own concept of some sort in the, the food or service industry. There's a concept out in San Diego where Ryan um, lives, um, spent a lot of time, called Pizza Port that he had seen that was doing really well and wanted us to take a look at it. And so we, we kind of took a look at Pizza Port and um, what they were doing. They're award-winning group hub, um, have a great family-friendly environment. Um, it's all counter service. And so we took a look at it and there were some things we loved about it. Some things we thought, hey, we can make this our own and do some things that are unique to our concept here in Austin. And that was really the inspiration for Pine House. Um, Ryan ended up joining us as part of the, the co-founding group. His brother, um, Nick, um, their friend, Kyle, 
And then when we hired uh, Joe Morfeld, who is our um, brewmaster now, um, he was from Odell. He was the head brewer at Odell Brewing in Colorado. Joe came on and then became our um, sixth partner. So that's kind of the background of Pine House and a little quick backstory on um, my background as well. Interesting. So what year was that that you actually launched uh, Pine House with your co-founders? You know, we started in maybe, honestly, in 2009 or early 2010 talking about the concept. And it took us really two years to to get it off the ground. And we opened in October of 2012. So it was a long lead up time to get it open. And even when we found our site, which is off of Burnett Road, the first location is just north of 45th on Burnett Road. We had a long time after we negotiated the lease where we're waiting for a parking agreement to get negotiated with one of our neighbors. So we were in this holding pattern. Um, so it was a long lead up time, which in some ways was incredibly frustrating and anxiety inducing. But I think the reality too, Josh, is it helped us because it allowed us to get some things in terms of process and paperwork in place that maybe we wouldn't have had if we had been a little bit faster at pace. And then you know, we had Joe on our team, the um, Joe, our uh, remaster, and we had, we had purchased a little um, pilot system. I think it was like a half barrel pilot system brewing kit. And we set it up in Ned's garage and Joe spent nine months or maybe a year in Ned's garage brewing beers and just working on recipes. And they don't hundred percent translate when you have a, a system that small and you move to a larger production um, capacity um, brew house and fermentation, the recipes don't exactly scale, but it did allow Joe, I think to get a feel for what he wanted to do with his own um, brewing capacity and brewing branding um, in terms of styles and gave us a chance to work with them too on what we liked. And I think that really helped us when we opened. And the reality too, is we had nine months of uh, too much beer in Ned's garage to drink, which was, was pretty fun. Um, so yeah, that was the launch of a fun house. We started probably in 2010, opened in October, late 2012. Um, that was our first location on Burnett road. And we've kind of gradually expanded since. That's awesome. I mean, I bet that must have been a fun experience uh, experimenting with brewing beers in your in your garage and, and trying to figure it out and tasting different beers. I bet that was fun. It was really fun. I can tell you we had an awesome St. Patrick's Day party in uh, uh, February, March of 2012 before we opened. We had too much beer, a lot of anxiety and energy. It was a pretty fun, pretty fun time. Amazing. So um, you you worked on uh, several different Jimmy John's uh, franchises here in Austin. Um, what kind of I guess lessons did you take from that that you learned that you could that you implemented in uh, Pine House Pizza? You know, honestly, I have so much respect. I think we do. You know, Ned and I, the two that were involved with with um, the Jimmy John's operations, um, very very process driven, and so they knew exactly what <clears throat> their goal was for the the retail side and what their aspiration was in terms of service. <clears throat> they never deviated from it and their entire layout and their entire setup and entire operations, their daily paperwork was all built around facilitating that one goal, which ultimately for Jimmy John's was speed at the time. I think it's changed a little bit maybe in the last six years since we um, exited. Um, but that was, that was a big takeaway for us was how important the, the process and the paperwork needed to be to facilitate um, the end goal. And we've always talked about it as you have to have paperwork and process to provide tools for people to leverage, to be successful at what you're endeavoring against. But there's a sweet spot where you don't have so much paperwork and process where it's bureaucratic and people feel oppressed by the amount of paperwork they've, they've got to fulfill um, or fill out. So it has to be enabling, it has to feel good to the people that are using the tools. It has to feel like a tool and not a hindrance. And I think that was one of the things that Jimmy John's did really well. So I think those two things are focus and then 
process and paperwork side to enable your end goal um, were two huge lessons for us that we really learned in that eight-year period. Gotcha. I'm sure that uh, the experience of Jimmy John's really kind of really helped transition into, into this new venture that you were taking on. But I guess when you started uh, Pine House Pizza, you know, as any business, I'm sure you had some challenges you had to deal with. I guess what are some of the biggest challenges that you dealt with in starting this new venture in Pine House? Sure. Well, I think the reality, even though we had nine or 12 months, like I talked about leading up to the opening, we weren't ready to open when we opened, particularly on the food side. And, you know, we thought we could practice stuff in our home kitchen and do some stuff on um, some commercial equipment. We had access to it and kind of get the recipes, you know, 95% of the way there, or the process 95% of the way there, and then train for a couple of weeks and then open in the, the commercial kitchen. But the reality is it's so much different as soon as you get into the commercial equipment baking particularly, you know, you can bake a pizza on a commercial pizza oven or a hearth bake oven or hearth bake conveyor, which is what we use. And it's a radically different experience than what you can do at home because your temperatures and your abilities to control the temperature and the timing are so much stronger in the commercial space. So those two things, not being ready on the equipment that we're actually going to use was a huge challenge. And then the other piece was not being ready for the process side of producing the food at high pace um, for their demand. It's easy to make something at home in a controlled environment, or even if you're in a test kitchen where you have the actual equipment, it's easy to test something and make a, a pizza in eight minutes that's really good. But when you have 100 pizza orders at six o'clock on a Saturday night and you need to make that pizza in you know 30 seconds and get it in the oven and have it come out great and consistent, uh, it's a totally different challenge. And so a lot of the things that we thought were going to work um, broke immediately. And that first week we knew it, you know, and, even not just the kitchen side, but primarily in the kitchen side, but even on the, the fulfillment side, we opened, we had a, a PA system. And so when your order was done, it was done and say, Josh, you know, Hey, you got a large pepperoni for, for Josh. And it was so loud in there with all of the people in there when it was crowded and we had music on and then you put the PA system on, nobody could hear it. And there are multiple Josh's in the space. And then it just was chaos. And so we quickly flexed into a pager system and then it evolved since then to a, a table location RFID system. But those are the types of things that you just don't know until they break what's going to break. You can kind of project and do your best, but um, it was a mess in a lot of different directions. And I think luckily enough for us, the beer was in a, a really good spot, was, was pretty good out of the gate. I think our, our hospitality side, we knew who we wanted to be on the hospitality side. Our hospitality was pretty good out of the gate. And that gave us a little wiggle room to get everything else figured out. I think the community gave us a little bit of a honeymoon period to get the process for the food and the specifics for fulfillment um, ironed out. So um, yeah, those are the big challenges. Well, you guys definitely figured out you have an awesome uh, operation. I've been there many times. Uh, love the pizza, love the beer. Thank you. Uh, uh, maybe you could talk a little bit about, about the beer. You guys have uh, craft beer, you make your own beer uh, and you have your own brewery now. Uh, can you talk a little bit about what's going on on the beer side of it? Sure. So we own three, what we call Pine House Pizzas, and then we own a new facility um, down in South East Austin called Pine House Brewing. Um, all of them have their own brewing capacity. We're all, all of them are licensed as a, as a brew pub um, in the Texas TABC and state laws, <clears throat> but all of them have their own brewery, different scale of capacity. The, the first pub, uh, Pine House on Burnett, um, can probably brew 1,200 to 1,300 barrels a year. Um, the second pub down on South Lamar, we just pulled some barrelage out of it to move some fermentation to Ben White. But before that, when it was really running, you know, as fast as we could, could brew about 35 or 3,600 barrels a year. Our Round Rock facility, um, which we opened in 2000, 
19. <clears throat> he can brew about 6,500 or 7,500 barrels a year now. Um, we might be able to push that a little bit um, to incrementally add a little bit more barrel. It's going to be tough. Um, our limit, by the way, is 10,000 barrels per, um, per facility by the TABC guidelines, the state guidelines. So at Round Rock will probably be in the 65 to 75, 8,000 range when we're done massaging that. The new facility down at Ben White, which again is still licensed as a brew pub, we're calling Pine House Brewing because it doesn't serve pizza. It has a completely unique menu, a full menu, um, which we're really proud of and excited about. Um, that, that will grow into about 10,000 barrels of production capacity over the next um, nine to 12 months. Um, so all of those locations are somewhat different. And you and I were talking before the podcast, um, we, we share a lot of beer between the locations. Um, we can self-distribute a little bit of beer for the, the guidelines, and then we put anything we want to distribute beyond that boundary to our distributor Brown locally who will carry the beer between the pubs. <clears throat> so we'll brew some beers at Burnett that end up at Ben White, some beers at Ben White that end up at the other three locations, and they still have their own ability to brew some unique one-offs for that specific location, which I think is a great kind of sweet spot to be in because we can have – some brands that you might be familiar with if you've been to Pine House Lamar and then you go over to Brewing, you might see something you've had before, but you also see some stuff that's unique, either from one of the other pubs or something that was brewed at Ben White. Um, so that's our kind of our, our brewing profile. And what we've been chasing, honestly, is the production um, supply side because we've been behind the demand curve um, with our ability to produce beer. And so it kind of goes in a, a cycle where <clears throat> we'll have enough beer and we'll have all these styles and then We'll start to creep back down. We don't have enough beer and our styles collapse again. Um, and we have less on the boards at the pubs. And so we're always trying to be in that, that nice moment where between being oversupplied and undersupplied, we're kind of right in that middle ground, but that's the nature of, of the brewing business. Um, you're always kind of chasing the, we call it chasing the CapEx dragon. You're always trying to, to find the perfect amount of capital expenditures to put in, in terms of equipment to facilitate what you, you need or what you have in terms of current and future demand. Um, that's kind of a quick overview of the, of the brewing side, I guess, to the capacity and the offering. You have a nice selection of beer at, at the different locations. And one of my favorite beers is Electric Jellyfish. I remember, I, I think at one point, you could only get it at, at the one of your actually locations at a restaurant. And I mean, as a few months ago, I remember seeing Electric Jellyfish for sale now, like at the grocery store or at, a, at different uh, convenience stores. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah. So Electric Jellyfish started off as a brand at our Lamar location, which was our second uh, pub. And I think it, it was a kind of confluence of it's a really good beer. It's well-made. It was one of the first hazies or New England kind of style hazy IPAs that was on the Austin market, on the Austin scene. And then it has a really fun name. It's kind of fun to, to say and it's easy to remember. And I think those things kind of overlapping together at the same time created that brand and it has really taken on a life of its own. It's continued to grow since we launched it in 2015 or, or early 2016. And in terms of its availability, it initially started at Lamar. We started putting it to the other pubs um, within that first year or two when we had the production capacity to move it around. We started putting a little bit of draft beer through distribution, through Brown, our distributing partner, to other um, retailers um, or restaurant, hotel operators, or bars. And that was probably in late 2016 or 2017, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, so we were draft only for a long time and really had no plans to move into package, um, pre-packaged in a format. But with the pandemic, um, we had started to do some mobile canning with our Round Rock facility in early um, 2019 when that opened because it had enough space to bring in a mobile canner and we could can and we could put cans to 
the pubs um, to sell um, as a supplement to our crowler program. So we started canning um, four packs of 16 ounce beers of our jellyfish out of the mobile county canning program out of Round Rock. And so we had our, our feet wet with canning coming into the pandemic. And then when the pandemic hit, almost all of the restaurants and bars closed. So there was no draft. Our distributor completely stopped picking up beer from breweries and brew pubs for, I want to say like a month or a month and a half, not a single pickup. They had too much supply and there was no place to put the draft beer. So we started talking at that point about, hey, we're at a point where we can pivot a little bit and start to do some packaged beer, just augment our mobile canning program to put some of that beer to the distributor to put it to retail, um, non-pine house retail. So that was, I think, one of the benefits that we had with our business model in the pandemic is we had the, the flexibility to be both a manufacturer and a retailer. And so when one or both of those were not doing well, we could focus resources, push resources in a, a direction to kind of align with where the demand was. And for a large portion of the pandemic, you know, a lot of it has been volume for us for cans, both out of the pubs, because people do a lot of to-go pizzas and food out of the existing pubs, but also to the, the retailers like HEB or your local package store that are carrying um, the, the 16 ounce cans of electric jellyfish. So that was, that was the litmus or the inflection point was how do we find some revenue to supplement this huge loss of revenue that we had during the pandemic? No, it was a natural extension and we were able to do that in late or early August. We started by the time we ramped up and got it going, started the, the packaging program to retail in, in more prominence. And it honestly has been tremendous for us um, in order to kind of stabilize our revenue and allow us to keep a lot of our, our team, particularly the administrative side that maybe we would have had to consider, unfortunately, letting go if we didn't have that revenue. So it was really a blessing um, in terms of that ability to flex in a unique direction. Yeah, that's great that you were able to pivot like that and 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 help the uh, the business. Um, you've had success with electric jellyfish, uh, but with other beers as well. I I saw that you had several different uh, beer awards that were uh, bestowed upon you guys for the different beer you're doing. Can you talk about some of that? Yeah, you know, I think one of our strengths and one of the things that honestly people ask me I'm most proud of is our diversity of the beer offering, and I think across the spectrum of different styles that we brew. We brew them all pretty well. I mean, there's some things that we're known for being a hoppy beer producer, and I think that will always be our bread and butter. But we make a great dry Irish stout called Bearded Seal that has won, you know, a medal at GABF. And honestly, it was one of the, the beers in the uh, the garage days of, of brewing on the pilot system. It was one of the first beers that Joe brewed. And one of his first recipes was that uh, Bearded Seal recipe. So I have, we have, I think collectively, but certainly I do have a lot of love for that brand because one of the first things we tasted out of our brewing program so that's been really successful. Um, we won awards with our Green Battles um, uh, IPA, and then we have certainly had success with other beers. We won an award last year for our, um, one of our Belgians. Um, so I think that depth of offering, the ability to work across those styles and try to do them all at a, a high level and, and aspire to do them all at a high level um, has been one of our strengths, and um, you're really proud of that. Excellent. And you guys have amazing pizza too. Uh, I've tried several different ones there. I was I was reading on your website that uh, you try to source at least some of your ingredients and use some of uh, vendors that are that are local to Austin or I guess to Texas. Can you can you visit a little bit about what you guys are doing with the ingredients and vendors? Sure. I mean, we we made a commitment early on internally that we wanted to try where we could to be focused on healthy and homegrown products. It's easier said than done, um, particularly when you have scale and your demand goes up in terms of what you need for raw materials. But for us, that's always meant if we can 
we try to source organic products, um, particularly on the produce side for the, I think it's the dirty dozen or the dirty, dirty 10, where they call them, they have the most, um, you know, uh, uh, petrochemicals and stuff that are used for um, pesticides on them. We try to make sure we triangulate like what we're using a lot of and what maybe is on that list to, to source something that's you know labeled as being very clean. So it's been a big uh, priority for us. And then certainly where we can, we try to source locally for um, local vendors. Um, it's, it can be tough, um, particularly when you have high volumes and you, you have a, a big demand. Um, but also when you have those high volumes, the the pricing can get out of whack pretty, pretty significantly when you're sourcing local versus something that's maybe a larger vendor um, or a producer, but all the way from our honey to some of our cheeses and um, produce and all those things where we can, we, we like to source local and support local or Texas um, businesses. Um, sometimes it's a one-off thing. You know, we've done some, some beers with Fredericksburg peaches and, and stuff like that. That's really fun. And I think it's a cool story um, as well. And um, make sure our team, I think um, all of us are proud of, of supporting those local industries. So where we can, we do. But you know, like I said, it, it can be pretty tough, um, particularly at scale. Um, I wish we could do all of it locally or all of it from Texas or all of it organically, but it's just not realistic. Gotcha. So do you have a favorite uh, pizza and a favorite beer at Pine House? Oh, boy. Well, I think two on the pizza side. I really love the Ooh La La, um, which is one of my favorites. It has a a tomato um, base rather than a marinara base. It's not as herbaceous as a, a true marinara. Um, cheese, pepperoni, um, uh, peppery peppers, which give you a little bit of heat, but they're also pickled. So you get a little bit of sweetness and a little bit of that kind of acidity. Um, then it gets topped with arugula and hot honey. It's like a, I think it's a habanero hot honey. So again, a little bit of that sweet, and a little bit of heat. Um, such a great combination with the kind of peppery arugula. Um, I really love the ooh la la. Um, I'm really partial to the, the banh mi. Because uh, I love a good banh mi sandwich, and I think that pizza tastes like a banh mi sandwich, um, which is really fun. And I think it's really unique. Um, never seen one done before. I'm, I'm sure that they exist, but we hadn't seen one, so we were excited about that. On the beer side, you know, that's a tough question. It, honestly, it changes pretty regularly, but the the one that I always come back to, and I think a lot of the team internally feels this way, is um, Training Minds, um, one of our other IPAs. It's such a great, clean beer, and um, love the flavor profile. But I like a lot of our really hoppy beers and the so much so that sometimes the, the brewers make fun of me because I like the hoppy beers that maybe have a little too much hops in them. You get, you get what you call hop burn in the back of your throat, yep. which if you're not familiar with the term or the experience, it's almost like when you drink a ginger beer and you get that, that really kind of burn in your throat. If it's too, too hoppy or it's not delicately hopped, um, you get that in the back of your throat for some of those big, heavy hitter hoppy beers. I like that. It's, it's considered kind of an off flavor, I think, to some of the brewers, but I like that. So I like those big, hoppy beers, particularly the, the citrus um, forward beers. Um, so, yeah, training minds and then you know, anything that's super hoppy. But I also really love, like I said, you know, I love our bearded seal, our jaguar shark, which is an um, imperial version of a uh, bearded seal that's been barrel-aged um, in bourbon barrels. Um, we do that seasonally once a year. I really love that beer. It's a... One of those, I have one of one or two of those, and I kind of just want to go sit in a hammock and listen to music kind of beers. Um, it's a big, heavy beer, but it's just so delicious. It has so many interesting flavor notes imparted from the, the barrel aging. Uh, but the, you know, off the top of my head, those are kind of my, my beer favorites. But honestly, it changes all the time, and we turn over so many new styles and brands. There's always kind of a um, flavor of the day that will catch your eye, and you get really excited about and then you know it disappears for a while, and you go back to your old standbys, and there's something new. You fall in love again the next week. So. 
that's one of the cool things about uh, the brewing industry. No doubt. Hoppy IPAs are the way to go, man. I, I love them and I'm, I'm excited to go try some more at, at, at Pine House. Um, I guess getting close to the end here, I, I had a few last questions for you. Um, you know, you, you started a Jimmy John's uh, franchise and then uh, you launched Pine House Pizza uh, and, and you have four different locations. You've made it a, a, great, a great success. Um, having run two businesses like this, um, what kind of lessons do you think you, you took, the biggest lessons you learned as an entrepreneur in this situation? And what kind of lessons would you, I guess, pass along to young entrepreneurs that are getting started that are listening right now? Sure. That's a great question. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing that we have learned and you know, I've learned certainly individually, and I've heard this echoed from other people, um, is that you, you really have to have focus um, and discipline. And I think those overlap a little bit or are kind of different things. You have to have the, the discipline to stay focused on what really matters in your business. And you have to define that. You have to be able to communicate not only to yourself internally, but to your, your team and communicate it and benchmark it consistently. This is the goal. This is all we're focused about. Everything else is noise. And are we hitting the goal? And that has to be a big feedback loop. You know, this is the goal. Are we hitting it? No. What can we do better? You know, just constantly iterating. And that's the, the almost maniacal drive you have to have to be successful, I think, with so much noise and so many different concerns you could have regarding um, opportunities or um, outside distractions. And then, you know, not being able to communicate internally well and define internally well what you are focused on means you can't communicate it to the guest either. Um, so you don't communicate everything to the guests in terms of your goals, but your goals should align with ultimately, particularly in the service industry, what you want the guests to experience and how they experience it. So I would say focus and discipline, Josh, would be the two biggest pieces. Um, and then I think the other core thing, particularly in our industry, the fundamental foundation of anything we build in terms of our operation is the established as the people. The people are so important um, internally to us and We've been lucky to have a great team. We've built a great team. We have people that have been with us since 2012 when we opened. Um, they're still part of our team. And they've moved up into new roles and they're taking on more responsibility, which has been really fun um, to be a part of and watch them grow. But the people are the hardest part. They're the most important part. Um, and so we try to focus on the people and rewarding them and enabling them, um, making sure that, that they're happy as best we can, you know, in the, the work environment. Um, and if you, if you take for granted that, those people are going to be there and want to work for you and work hard for you and buy into your process and buy into your culture. I think you're going to fail as a business, um, regardless of what you're doing, whether it's service industry focused or not. So I would always say to really put your time and energy into understanding your people and your team and being supportive of them and genuinely supportive and interested in them and interested in seeing them be successful. Because if you don't, I think the whole thing is very fragile. It could collapse at any time and it's going to be really hard to build consistent success, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And that's great advice. I mean, I can definitely see how it, it is very easy to kind of get distracted with the noise and different things that are not as important as, as the goals that you have in mind when you get started. And uh, I've, I've experienced that in, in different things I've been involved in as well. So that's great advice for entrepreneurs. Um, so I left the hardest question for last. <laughs> and that is what besides Pine House Pizza, what's your favorite restaurant in Austin? Oh boy. I mean, there's so many, you know, Austin is so rich on the food scene, you know, all the way from kind of quick, fast, casual concepts that are delicious and fun to really high end restaurants. And I, I, I run the gamut in terms of what I enjoy too. I mean, most of the time I'm in fast casual, but every once in a while I want something 
kind of it's you know escapist or you know nice you know and something that has an, a great environment that maybe some of the fast casual doesn't focus on and you know right now my favorite restaurant is probably Clark's on uh, West Six and I think I have a lot of respect for McGuire Mormon the restaurant group that runs um, Clark's I think the the food is great the service is great but a lot of it is just the environment you'll be able to sit out there on the front porch and watch Sixth Street go by and watch uh, people walk by. Um, it just feels like you're part of a dynamic, active city scene. And so I've come to really enjoy going to Clark's and having some, some fancy oysters, as we call them, and um, sometimes a, a martini or something nice on a Friday afternoon and just kind of sit back and enjoy Austin. So I think right now that's one of my favorites um, that I can think of that I would point to. I really, really appreciate their experience and food and, and their service. Clark's is a great choice. I love that place. Um, I guess, so in wrapping up here, what's the best way for folks to learn more about Pinehouse Pizza and, and or about yourself uh, online? Sure. Um, Pinehousepizza.com um, is kind of the hub for all of our online world. And we're all over the, the Twitter and Instagram and Facebook uh, universe too. So you can use that as a hub to jump out to any of those specific social media feeds. Um, and we're, we're somewhat vertical in terms of each location has its own social media um, kind of going on in terms of dialogue. Um, so if you're focused more on one location than another, if you start off with the website, you can link out to anything you want to digest regarding plant house or specific locations. Um, that, that website also has our beer list um, what's on tap at the moment has all of our menus, uh, particularly for Ben White. If you've been to Pine House pizza and haven't been to our new facility, Pine House brewing down on uh, Ben White, that has a completely different menu. There are a couple of things that overlap. A couple of appetizers like our pretzel and one of our salads is pretty similar to something we do at the pizza pubs, but it has a really unique menu we're really proud of. So if you go to the website, you can check out the Ben White menu there um, and take a gander at what we're doing down in Ben White. So I would start off with uh, pinehousepizza.com and kind of use that as a launching point. Awesome. Listeners, I highly encourage you to go to Pinehouse Pizza if you haven't been, have some pizza, drink some uh, craft beer. And Tyler, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and uh, sharing a little bit about your story in, in Pine House. Thanks, Josh. It was a, an honor and a privilege. Thanks for having us. Yes, sir. This episode is brought to you by our affiliate, Gemini. Gemini is a well-respected cryptocurrency exchange started by Cameron and Tyler Winklevoss. If you're interested in purchasing Bitcoin, Ethereum, or other altcoins, please check out their website at gemini.sjv.io backslash moon tower to learn all about it thank you